Well, it got really quiet after that video. So I felt like that video was um, very appropriate for what we talked about last week and what we talked about, or what we're going to talk about this week. Um, so fun fact, last Sunday in here, we had a good time. It went well. I feel like things flowed really good. For some reason, and I don't know why, we get in the sanctuary and it did not work. It did not fit. I don't know why things didn't click. So today is a day of uh, Phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, not really. I don't know. Um, but I, I feel like what we're, what we're speaking about right now is, is important to the point that we need to spend time on it until we all understand what, what is being said. If you'll remember last week, we were in John chapter 5. We're finishing up the chapter there before we move on. And Jesus is approaching the Pharisees, and he's talking about the law and about how the Pharisees had spent their entire lives wanting to know the law, trying to be perfect and practicing the law, doing everything that they could to hold themselves and to other people accountable to the law. And Jesus is reminding them that they're not perfect people and therefore trying to attain the level of perfection that the law requires is impossible. And then he says something to them that is meant to change their perspective based on their own reasoning. Remember, he uses things such as eyewitnesses and things to help them to understand that what he speaks and where he comes from, the authority comes from God and it can't come from anywhere else because he has the proof that they require right there in front of them. But he says that even though they searched the law in order to find righteousness, in order to become righteous, they missed the point that the law was only intended to show them just how sinful they were. And the only purpose of the law was to point them to Him. He said, even though the law came so many hundreds of years before I came, the whole purpose of it was to get you to understand that one day I would be here. And he says, the law was never meant to give you the things that you were to live by in order to earn your righteousness. Because you can't do it. And we know through Israel's history, that was obviously the thing they couldn't do it. So John's writing his gospel to a group of young Jewish believers who grew up understanding the mindset that the law is the way in which you find righteousness. That if you live according to the law that God has laid out, then everything that you do will be counted for your good, and one day God will reward you for your righteousness. But Jesus is telling the leaders of these people, absolutely not. There was no way as a sinful being that you could ever follow the law in such a way or to the degree that you would find the righteousness that the law says you must have. So therefore, you must have faith that God has made another way. And Jesus says that. The very things that you have dedicated your life to, if you would have just read them a little bit deeper, if you would have just paid attention a little bit more, you'd have realized that through all of those things, God was saying, if you have faith in me, I will get you through. If you have faith in me, I will make you successful. But Jesus is telling the Pharisees here is that you chose to do it on your own, or you chose to adopt a way where you thought you were in control and therefore you never had faith in me. So why do you think John is writing this in his gospel? Why do you think it is so important that John would record this for these young Jewish believers? As we've talked about every single week, these Jewish believers, these young people, their world has crashed. Everything that they knew is no more. 
So there's only one thing that's going to get them through, right? Two things that they think. It's either going to be getting through by the skin of their own teeth and by the might of their own muscle, or it's going to be faith. And so John, very quickly, before he tries to do anything else about what it means to have a life of faith, he wants them to establish themselves very firmly in a faith understanding that Jesus Christ is the only way that they will be successful. Before we go any further in understanding why John was writing his gospel and the audience in which he was writing it to, we have to understand that faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to success. It's not a perfect score in how we handle ourselves. It's not bettering ourselves in the the areas that we know we struggle in. It's not even doing away with sin in our life that we know God doesn't want to be there. It is strictly, solely, and 100% through faith that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And that is a hard thing for us to hear sometimes as Christian believers, especially in America when for so long the gospel message has been that list of rules. Do this, don't do that. If you don't do this, you're not saved. If you do this, then you will be saved. But scripture is very clear that the only way we will be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. So I wanted to uh, dig a little deeper and jump in that a little bit deeper um, this week to help us understand because that is confusing. When we say you can't do this for salvation, but as a Christian you're supposed to do this, a lot of people get that muddled up. Well, if I do this, that means I am saved. No, that's not what that means at all. That means you're doing this for a purpose, and we're going to talk about that purpose. But if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime today. I'm going to give you the opportunity to read with me the entire third chapter. Again, I know that it's a blessing that a lot of people don't give, and they think, you know, only one or two, maybe five, sometimes eight verses at the most is all we're supposed to read on a Sunday morning. But the reality of it is, is that we rejoice in God's Word. So anytime we get the opportunity to read more of it, we're going to celebrate. So this is a morning for celebration. Amen? All right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if it had been a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the laws of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believed the message about Christ. And in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. And what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures even say that cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep his law. 
For the scriptures say that it is through faith that even a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person finds life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, and when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongs doings. For it is written in the scriptures that cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive, as he promised, the Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is this case, that God gave his promises to Abraham as his child. And notice that the scriptures don't say to his children, as if meant to say many descendants, rather that it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say that the agreement that God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave his law to Moses, and God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. And God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. And now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. And we were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came, and it protected us until we could be made right with God through our faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are as heirs and as as God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So as always, there's a lot there to digest But I think Paul does a very good job of helping us to understand the importance of the law, but yet knowing that the law is not what leads to salvation. Even in the Old Testament, the law's sole purpose was to help us to understand our need for a Savior. And so, too, it is today. So to give you a little background on the book of Galatians and who Paul is writing to, Paul is obviously writing to the people of Galatia, the Galatian church. And what these people are experiencing is that they had had some people coming among them called Judaizers. And the Judaizers were people that had heard the message of Christ, but for some reason they were uncomfortable with the idea of abandoning everything that they had known for so long, the customs, the traditions, the laws, the rules that they were supposed to do, their security blanket if it was. And so they came along, these uh, Galatian believers, and they began to instill in them an observance of the law and the thought process that if you don't do these things according to the letter and exactly the way that it is spoken, 
then you have fallen out of grace. And that is a dangerous message to hear, is it not? That our ability to earn God's grace is dependent on our ability to be obedient. Do you know the problem with that message? We'd all be in trouble. Because we are not capable of the obedience that is required to earn that type of righteousness. Remember when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees one time, he said, unless you have the righteousness of the Pharisees, then you would not be able to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And here Jesus is addressing the Pharisees that they are not righteous. So for you and I, if we claim to be believers in Christ, that faith in Jesus as our foundation is important. Because as the video showed us, there are always two voices inside of us that are always speaking. Has anybody in here messed up since they believed Jesus Christ was their Savior? Anybody? If you're not raising your hand, you're just shy. We know the answer. But the reality of it is, is even with Christ inside of us, we still have a sinful side. Remember when Paul, remember when we talked about that passage from Paul? That when I do the things I don't want to do, it's not me, but it's a sin within me. But if I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do, I'd follow Christ, but I can't because there's sin in me. And I know that the sin in me is not of Christ, it's of my natural self. You remember that? And we were confused. You see, that is the struggle of us as sinful beings being redeemed by a righteous Savior. Is that there's always going to be something within us that is trying to keep us back. Satan is always going to put some kind of doubt inside of us to let us think that we are not able to be good enough for God. And you know why we're considered good enough for God? Because of Jesus Christ. And so it's not dependent on our ability to get it right. Do you hear me when I say that? That Jesus loved you so much that he made the only thing necessary for you to experience salvation was to believe, was to have hope that Jesus did something you could not do. Now that leads us to another discussion that we could spend weeks on about how Jesus would often tell his believers and would often tell those that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, that kind of puts us back in that pickle, does it not? Because if we don't have to love his commandments in order to be saved, but Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, it kind of brings those scales back out, do we not feel? But not only does Jesus make the way for us to experience salvation, but God has also said, I will give you help to be successful. And so he gave us that person known as the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. And he says to live by the Spirit. And that's where most of us struggle. Because the Spirit tells us to live differently than the world around us tells us we're supposed to live. And honestly, a lot of times, the Spirit is telling us something different than our ears are hearing on Sunday mornings. Because we are sinful beings. We're anxious. We're doubtful. We know ourselves on our best days and our worst days. And oftentimes, that little voice inside of us tells us something different than the Holy Spirit of God tells us we need to know. And so that's where that statement, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments, comes into play. We know that through the Spirit, our mind needs to stay focused on something other than what our sinful nature says we are to focus on. 
So therefore we have the word of God. A two-edged sword that is able to rightly divide the truth from false. Remember David would say, I I will take your word and I'll hide it in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Your word is a lamp and a light unto my path. So therefore we read in scripture the things that Jesus said that his believers do. And we read in the things that Paul says that good Christians are to believe and to trust in and to hope in. And we understand and we must understand that that is not for our salvation. But that is for our identification. As Christians, that is so important for us. How do we identify ourselves? Are we sinners saved by grace or are we sinners? There's a difference. Because one is claiming that Christ has done something and one is still holding on to the fact that we're not good enough. It's an important thing. And so John, in writing his gospel, very meticulously and very eloquently uh, arranges the, the concepts and the things that he wants these young believers to understand because he knows where they are. Remember, he grew up in that same background. And when Jesus came and spoke and offered him new life, it, it totally changed his world. And so he knows where these young people are. And he says that your life and faith and your mission of faith must be rooted in who Christ Jesus is. Must be rooted in what Christ Jesus accomplished and not in what you are going to do yourself. Why do you think that's important? Old habits die hard. John knew that these young believers were going to be tested Knew that they were going to be pressured. Knew that in times of crisis or emergency, they were going to do the things that they always know to do. Right? That's why addiction is so hard. Even if somebody is able to beat what they're addicted to, inevitably there is an event that happens in their life and the only thing they know to do is what they did when they had that addiction. And so, so often people fall back into that addiction. And the same is true with sin in our lives. That every now and then a crisis is going to come. Every now and then something is going to happen. And the only response we're going to know how to do is to return to something that God has told us we are not to do. Or that Jesus Christ has said that's not who you are. And then that voice inside us is going to speak up and say, see, I told you you couldn't do it. I told you you weren't good enough. That's what happens when we live by the flesh. So John is establishing for these young believers, live by the Spirit. That if Jesus Christ said you are good enough, if you believe in Him and place your faith in Him, then you are good enough. That when Jesus Christ hung on that cross and said, it is finished, understand it is finished. Paul spends the rest of his letters talking about how the fact that the the fullness of God's righteousness is given to us at the moment of our salvation. Not it begins a process of where we earn righteousness. Not if if we do good enough at that point, God will give us a little bit more. But it says you already have everything you need to be successful in this life of faith. And so this work of sanctification is our growth in belief. That when Jesus said you have everything, we begin to believe it. We begin to realize it. So my challenge for you is this. We're about to jump into 
our greatest series of the year, stewardship series. And I know we all love that one. We especially love that Money Sunday. That's the best. But what I hope you understand this year is that stewardship is way more about than money. And hopefully this year we will be able to help you understand that when we focus on stewardship, money is the least of our concern. Because if, if we can get the other things in line and if we can get the other things controlled in our lives, the money will take care of, it, of itself. But as we head into stewardship and as we think about what the rest of our life looks like in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you this first and foremost to understand that your foundation is in Jesus Christ as your Savior. As Paul said, if we could save ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. So if we could be successful in this Christian life, we wouldn't need Jesus, would we not? I mean, that's, that's a logical statement. If we could be successful Christians without Jesus, then we wouldn't need Jesus. So even Jesus knows that we're going to fail sometimes. Even Jesus knows that we're not going to be perfect. But he says to live by the Spirit. And that is my challenge for you. To live by the Spirit. If there is a struggle, say, God, this is a struggle. This is what I know to do. But this is what my, my body tells me that I want to do. And then trust that Jesus is going to take control. And if by some reason you fail, don't forget that you are saved according to Christ's righteousness and not your own. If you want to know how to make your day better, it's in God's word. If you want to know how to handle your finances better, it's in God's word. But believe what it says. It's not just a checklist. It's a way of life. An invitation to something better than what the world tells us that we ever deserve. That's the greatest thing about it. We don't deserve it, but yet Christ gives it freely. And each and every day he offers it brand new. And yesterday doesn't matter. So as we head into stewardship and we talk about what it means to be stewards of all the things that God gave us. Our time, our talents, our attention, and yes, our money. Live by the Spirit. Trust in the Spirit. If the Spirit leads you to give, give. If the Spirit leads you to do, don't reason it away because God has something for you in the midst of that. And if the Spirit tells you to stop, go find another hobby real fast. Because God has something for us when we trust Him enough to believe in Him and to follow Him. Will you join me as I pray? Father God, each and every Sunday, first and foremost, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And God, I pray that you would help us to remember each and every day that that is not something we can do for ourselves. That we can never live in such a way that we could be obedient to all the things that your law tells us that we are to be obedient to. But God, each and every day, let it be first on our mind and first from our lips. 
that Jesus Christ did it all. That you love us because of Jesus. And that you see us as your children because of Jesus. And God, our sin is considered as far as the east is from the west because of Jesus. And you give that so freely. God, each morning let us wake up with joy at what you have done through Jesus. And let our desire for the day not be that we would live as good Christians and do everything right. But our prayer for each day would be that we would be able to see Jesus. And to know Jesus just a little bit better. And to experience Jesus in a way that we had never experienced Jesus before. And God, that we would be able to share Jesus with somebody else because we have seen him. Because we have felt him work and we know that he is present. So God, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be your church because of what you are doing in our lives. God, help us to see you and to grow in you as we seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to this community. We pray all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.